The City Life app enables you to listen to Sunday messages and even explore the Bible while listening. Stay up to date with church life through our Connect section and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Get your Bibles open. Bibles, Bible apps, open them up to one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, 10. Uh, there's, this, uh, there's an author. Uh, he, is a, he is a history, he's a church historian, he, but he also st- he studies the sociology of religion and, uh, and religion in America and around the world. And he wrote a very interesting book recently, and it's called America's blessings it says how religion benefits everyone including atheists it's a, it's a really cool book but but uh you know, i the, the the things that he brought out in that book are so powerful regarding just who the church is because a lot of times we forget it if you start believing what's in the media you you'll believe something different and he he actually points out that that christians actually carry the bulk of the load of the beneficial activities in the united states of america he says that the christians uh dominate the ranks of blood donors these are quotes christians dominate the ranks of blood donors to whom even the atheists own owe their lives uh that christians also are far more likely to contribute to charities including any kind of a secular charity they volunteer their time more to beneficial programs and they are more active in civic affairs he says that christians enjoy superior mental health Uh, Christians are happier, less neurotic, which could be a good thing, you know, and far less likely to commit suicide. Christians who attend church, he says, are far less likely to have dropped out of school, which is especially true among Native American, excuse me, African Americans and Hispanics. Also, he says people who, uh, people who attend church, they also enjoy superior physical health. People who go to church have an average life expectancy that is about seven years longer than that of the irreligious, and that's even when you take out the clean living uh, aspects of it. It's just that when you go to church, you're going to live longer. Christians are, are more apt to marry and less apt to divorce. They uh, express higher degrees of satisfaction with their spouses and with their sex lives, and they are also more likely to have children. Christian husbands are substantially less likely to abuse their wives or their children. Students who attend church perform better on standardized achievement tests. Christians are more successful in obtaining better jobs, far less subject to being on unemployment or welfare. And this is not only true for whites, but also African Americans. You know, you just look at the information that's there, and this is all statistically proven. I just have to say, I love the church, and I love how God works in us in the church, because people find freedom in the church. I like what Jesus said. He said these words to me. He says, and to you, to all of us in Matthew 16, 18, he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Tough words from a tough man. I like the way the uh, message version of the Bible states that. He says, I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Jesus set up something 2,000 years ago. 
He introduces it here, the church. And he says, no force in hell is going to stop it. Yet at the same time, unfortunately, a lot of people don't care about church. In fact, some people even believe that it's a cancer on society. But I love the church. I was born into church. I, I just, I was literally born into church. Uh, I think it's because of church I was born. But uh, I was actually born um, in a doctor's house in a little logging community in the Cascade Mountains of Washington called Randall, Washington. And um, mom was pregnant with me and she had gone past term on, on the pregnancy and and uh, there was no time to get her to this doctor to, to, or to a hospital. So the community doctor just had his little house there and said, come on in. And, and uh, the doctor said I was breached and there were some other complications going on. A delivery was just going to be a mess. The doctor said, you know, asked my dad, he said, you're, you're going to need to choose between your wife and your child. Um, you know, dad said, well, you know, I'd love for you to save both. He said, well, you have to choose. Which one do you want to live? And he said, well, I want my wife to live. And, and uh, you know, that's okay that he chose her. You know, I, I, st I still made it. <laughs> but the story is, the story's really cool. Dad called everyone in the church, in this tiny little country church, to pray. That little town, word spread quick. No, no cell phones, no texting, <laughs> no emails. Just word spread quick. Dad said that people left their jobs and people stopped everything they were doing and came to the church, about 30 people, and they prayed. Many of them prayed deep into the night. They just prayed for my mom, Lillian, and for the little baby who was me. And they just simply asked God for a miracle. They, started, they prayed that both lives would be saved. Finally, my dad says that the doctor just started screaming. He just said, he's turning, he's turning. And I guess I turned around and rolled over or something, and I was born alive, and I've been here ever since. But my, my parents and I believe that it's because the church did something. You see, the church prayed together for a family that was going through a really tough time. It just happened to be my family. And it just happened to be my life that was hanging in the balance. I love the church. Now, I grew up in a pastor's home. And uh, if any of you are pastor's kids, I know a few of you are, you, just, you definitely understand this. You see the best and the worst of the church. You actually, you see all sides of it. Now, when I was a kid, uh, we did church I'd, I'd say a little different than we do now. There were a lot of lectures about, about how we were to live in the world but not of the world. That was kind of a predominant message as, when I, as I grew up. And, and the way we interpreted that or translated that was the church was to be like a safe cocoon from the evil culture. And so as a result, we wouldn't participate in the evil culture. So far be it from us to ever go bowling. Why? I'll tell you the reasoning. It's, it's so funny now. It's because people who go bowling, um, they, they drink alcohol at those bowling alleys, and we don't want to be seen coming out of there because someone may have thought that we drank alcohol at the bowling alley. 
I'm, I'm totally serious. It's, this, is, this, is, this is funny. Um, you know, uh, we couldn't go to movies. It was the same, same logic. It was, it was that even if it is a good movie, you don't want to be coming out of a movie theater because somebody might think you saw a bad movie. If they think you're sinning, then you're sinning. It's like, oh, well, you know, we're lost. That's, that's a mess. Uh, you, you dare not do anything fun on the Lord's Day, which was, was Sunday, and uh, uh, like you couldn't get into a swimming pool. And there was a lot of that. I was telling Ian about it the other day. We were taking a walk on the river, and he just... He just said, wow, Dad, that was this crazy world you were raised in. And yeah, it was. It, it was very, let's just call it legalistic. But I'm not critical of it. Um, it's my heritage. And, and, and I can laugh about it. Because the truth is, they meant well. They did. Um, yet at the same time, the church produced some very weird people. And it, you know, some pockets that are still there, you know. There was more of an emphasis back then on um, what we can't do so that we can escape the appearance of evil. So again, if it's not even sin, you don't want anyone to think you might be thinking about considering about possibly sinning, you know. <laughs> That's really the way we were raised. But, uh, but I, I, I saw my parents extend a lot of grace to people. That really touched my heart. Especially because I, I, I could see the way people really were sometimes. And uh, it's funny because I remember as a kid seeing some people who really dressed up nice on Sunday and they smiled on Sundays. But I knew they were much, much meaner. They had a much meaner spirit when they left the building. And in the eyes of a child, I mean, that, that's like hypocrisy at its worst. And because they wore a mask at church and they removed it when they were driving off the property. And, and, and I just thought, I remember thinking, like, what is church? Is it just a show of who can try to look the coolest, the most godly or whatever? I, I didn't understand that and got, got kind of critical I kind of had a little chip on my shoulder nah a big one <laughs> but getting through my teen years I changed I changed because I saw that God is the judge of hypocritical people not me and I I eventually became less and less concerned about everybody else's flaws or their religious quirks, <laughs> or even trying to fix other people, and I became obsessed with this, growing myself and allowing the Holy Spirit to fix me. And that's how I lead the church, and I love, I, I love the church. I'm not uh, an offended pastor's kid anymore, uh, but I'm a man who's passionately pursuing Jesus Christ, and today I am called to help build his church and to invite other people who are ahead of me spiritually to speak into my life and to shape me, and I'm here to teach the word of God and to create an atmosphere where, where God's people can come in here and you can choose to, to, to be a part of community. I'm called of God to create an atmosphere where people can come and they can have a hope for freedom in their lives, just like we sang about, where God can be worshipped freely, where I can be free to be the man I really am, the man God created me to be, and where, where people are free to even belong before they believe. <laughs> so I love the church. I do. This, this is where I belong because church challenges me. Church refreshes me just like today. And, 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 and really, the reason for it is because in church, Jesus is the center of it all. I, I take the words of Jesus very, very serious. He said this. He said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll 
recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? <laughs> See, Jesus is what makes my church a place where I and others can have hope for freedom. So I can grow here and I, I can soar here and you can too. You know, church, church isn't an obligation. You see, I don't have to go to church. <laughs> I get to. I get to go to church. What is church? Well, it's not, it's not the building, really. Church is basically people who are walking in freedom. Freedom in Jesus. You know, sometimes you call the building the church. Well, I'm going to go to church, but it's not. See, the church is really us. It's us. 2,000 years ago, this man by the name of Jesus Christ, a man who was dead, came back to life. And, what, and he really, literally turned the world upside down. It, and, and why did he turn the world upside down? It's because people's lives began changing. Otherwise, there's no way it could have been sustained. And the church has just continued to grow steadily ever since, and it is the largest movement in the world, and it continues to grow expansively. Let me tell you, my friends, you guys are a part of something huge. It's massive. I love it. You know, you, your grandkids, they may never know who Tim Woody was. They probably won't care. Like, Tim, who, what, what? I mean, nobody will even remember. I don't care. But the truth is, is that the church will be there in the future. And the gospel will still be relevant and true to their lives and what they're facing. That's what I love about the church. Come together at church, it's, it's, it's not about trying to agree intellectually on every single little thing. I mean, we don't agree on everything all the time. That's impossible. I talk a little bit about this at our partnership lunch, but, but here again, you can belong before you believe. But we still don't agree on every little thing. I mean, in, in your own family, in your own marriage, do you guys agree on everything if you're married? No, you don't. I mean, do Rebecca and I agree on everything? Well, we actually do because we're special. But, uh, okay, see, so you're mocking me right now, right? But, yeah, you know, it, it's like, it's, it's like I, 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 you know, I, we want to go get some, some food, and, and I want to go to Chipotle because I want some meat, and I want to go up and say, put this in it, put that in it, double, triple, quadruple, the meat, ah, you know, and then she wants to go to Mimi's and get a muffin, you know, it's like... And sip coffee. I, it's just. <laughs> but we stay in our marriage regardless, right? We don't agree on everything. See, what's most important is really it's, it's, it's how much you and how much I allow the Holy Spirit of God to impact and change us. That's what I love about our church is because we just keep it wide open for you. We want this just to be just this, this atmosphere where God can do anything in your life and you can come expecting it and it'll happen. And we pray for that every single week. And the stories that come out of here week after week after week, it's true. And I'll just tell you something. My goal as a pastor is to never rail against other Christian traditions. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna get up here and preach about other worship styles that I don't like or music styles that I don't think is the exact way we do it. See, at City Life, we don't pick on other 
Christian traditions that emphasize maybe something a little bit more that we emphasize less. And here's another thing. I don't attack other preachers. Have you noticed that? I don't attack other churches, and I'm not going to write up blog posts on them, and I'm not going to give my opinion about it and put stuff on Facebook about all that. Why in the world would we beat up and mock other believers that we're going to be in heaven with forever? You don't beat up your own family. Hey, take my lead. <laughs> the truth is, even right here, we're a bunch of people who are very, very different. Right here in our local church and in the church worldwide. Very different. But the great thing is we're bound together in the love of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. We're family. Any of you have ever traveled to another nation and done ministry in another nation where you're talking and dealing with and working with believers who, are, who don't speak your language, and they don't look like you, they don't live like you, they don't act like you, but there is a bond and you know it and you feel it. It is amazing, guys. It's amazing. I love church. And church, here's the truth. It's a place where it's okay to not be okay. It is. But there's always going to be a little bit of pressure from that Holy Spirit who says it's not okay to stay that way. That's a good thing, right? We want that. I want that. You see, part of what I have to do is, is I am called to speak the truth from the Bible. It's not my job to make anyone feel good, nor is it my job to try to make anyone feel bad regarding where you might be along your spiritual journey. But it's my job to simply teach the truth, and then we let the Holy Spirit do all the rest, and he does a really, really good job. So here's the deal. If you're struggling with something, know that the church is the ideal place to come because the Holy Spirit will speak to you through whatever message that's why you can come and during the worship you can go and, and ask people to pray for you and they're going to pray for you regardless of whatever it is. Because no one is going to judge you here at City Life, but we're here to encourage you because this is a place where God speaks and where we listen and then we take what God is saying to us and we apply it to our lives and we just simply do what he says. And we're all at these different places in our spiritual journey. We're all over the place. But church is a place where we get to allow our lives to experience freedom and live it out with each other it's where we, we we just simply get hope for freedom in this process constantly that's my my prayer every single sunday before you come in is that every person will find hope before they leave this room because church is a place of grace and it's also a place of truth and and the truth does sting sometimes it does hurt it convicts However, the truth also gives freedom and it gives hope and it gives inspiration and it gives encouragement and it also feels good. So don't allow any of your insecurities or your past wounds, even from church, to become a filter through which you view your church or your ministry team, or your leaders or even the members of your connect group. Because here's the truth, and I know this from my own life, if you let go, of your hurts from the past, just like I did, then church becomes a wonderful place because God changes lives here and gets people moving on a right path, on a new path, regardless of what you faced in your ups and downs of life. I want you guys to listen to Ashley Reed's story. Look what God did in her life. You know, I love my church because it's centered around Jesus and the message of Jesus. 
You see, Jesus even said this. I want you to look in your Bibles in John 10.10. If you don't have this highlighted or put stars by it or circled in your Bible, you need to. Because I love what he says here. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Because that's what the enemy's assignment is on your life. And he's going to do everything he can to do it. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So, you see, we center around Jesus and we keep him right in the middle of everything. That way, the church becomes a conduit of the life of God. See, there's only one organization from the beginning of time, uh, really since 2,000 years ago, into eternity that's going to continue to exist, and that is the church. See, it's, it's the only organization that Jesus put into operation. You know, there's no government system. There's no business there's no nonprofit. there is nothing that has ever lasted as long as the church and my church this is a place where lost people are found it's where found people grow in the love of jesus more it's where addicts are set free it's where the excluded are included it's where the hopeless find hope it's where marriages are restored it's where forgiveness is extended it's where people are healed and they're also set free and it's where god gets the glory for it all and i love that it's like a home to me yeah, I love going home after a long day of work and it's i love it. i just love walking in the door why it's because it's just my place I, I love being at my house. Home is a place of peace. It's a place where I can unwind and be relaxed and I can kick back and I don't have to impress anyone. I can walk in the kitchen and grab myself a sandwich or I can come in the back door and I can laugh and I can let down. And, but that's also what city life is like to me because I get to simply be me. I get to be normal around here. And that's what this place is for anyone who will just say, I'm in. Yet at the same time, a lot of people look at the church and, and, and they ask questions like this, which I get asked a lot of times, why doesn't the church do more for society? Why doesn't the church do more for the community? The church just exists for itself. And I hear that so much, and th those are very, very misguided statements. They really are. In fact, to be honest with you, I think I have the right to address this and to say this, you know, myself, because I've earned the right to, as I lead uh, volunteerism and lead compassion initiatives here in our own city. Uh, I, I, can, I can honestly tell you this. Here's my response. The most important thing the church can do for the community is... To do church. Let me explain to you. You see, when we do church, we provide a great place for families to bring their children on Sundays where we can experience God together and experience God's people. At church, we're going to talk about the real life issues. Hang around. If we've not touched on your issue, we will. At church, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about stress issues. We're going to talk about personal health and, and your interactions and, and how to forgive people and how to love people that you don't even like. At church, we're going to deal with things like worry and fear and depression. At church, we're going to train people, and we do train people on how to stay married. Train people on how to not abuse their children. See, at, ch at church, we give people the hope for eternity. 
At church, we encounter the presence of God together. At church, people are set free from emotional and spiritual bondage in their lives through the power of Jesus Christ. At church, there's healthy community. It's where one another, we can build each other up. So churches in general don't ever want to lose focus on the best thing they can do for the community. See, our focus is not a diet plan. Our focus is not on how to build a better business model or our focus is not a stage show. That stuff's peripheral and there are plenty of other voices in the community doing all of that because the church deals with something no one else does. We deal with the real soul issues. We deal with the spiritual issues. And as a result of that, the church is vibrant and strong and impacts culture in a huge way. The work of the church, because of the Holy Spirit and his activity in the church, it keeps society from imploding. Say, well, do you have any evidence of that? Oh, yeah, plenty. <laughs> See, people come to church, they hear the message of Jesus, they embrace a new way of life, and they get their, their hearts and minds, their lives set on eternity, and they literally become different people, and they discover their purpose, just like Ashley was saying. See, at church, people are transformed through the power of God. We're not just another nonprofit, as wonderful as all of my nonprofit friends and organizations are out here. Because, but the fact is this the fact is this nonprofits will come and go. But the fact is also this is the church has been alive and well for 2,000 years and it continues to grow. In fact, at City Life, one of the things we love to do is we choose to partner with other organizations and other really, really good people who are doing a great job in the community. We do a lot of that. In fact, one of the terrible things, it's, it's sad, is just that people will say, well, all the church wants is something from you. They, they just want something from you. And, you know, to be honest with you, that's just laugh, laugh, laughable. It's, that's, that's not even halfway truth. There's, there's, that's not truth. The church is a powerful family, and God dwells in the church. And the church then makes a massive difference in society. Paul says this about what we do. He says, let us not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. For at the right time, we will, reap, we will harvest a good crop if we do not give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every chance, every, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Now, why? It's because when we take care of each other in the community of faith first, then we become strong and we become healthy enough to serve our community and the rest of the world. That's why we do things in the community and the church leads the way over and over and over, and it's always been that way for the church. Do you realize the church is the largest single provider of health care and education in the world? Especially working in some of the poorest nations where the only care is Christian care? There's a little history lesson here. Camillus de Lellis, who is the founder of the original Red Cross, he set it up as a group of Christians who ministered to the sick, who were victims of the bubonic plague when nobody else would have anything to do with them, so the Christians came around and called themselves the Red Cross. Claudia Barton, who's the founder and the president of the American Red Cross, she was the first woman to hold a government job. And through her career, she decided she was going to help others in the name of Jesus. The first orphanages that ever existed 
They started in the Middle Ages, and, and, and they were started by the church taking in abandoned children. Even think of historical documents, the Magna Carta, which is, which is considered to be probably one of the most important documents in human history outside of those scriptures, is drafted by Stephen Langdon, who is the Archbishop of Canterbury, a minister, and he, he orchestrated this upon a biblical foundation, which now is actually the biblical foundation for the UN's Declaration of Human Rights. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., he drove the civil rights movement here in the U.S. He was the son and the grandson of ordained ministers. Habitat for Humanity, providing housing for the poor. It was founded by Millard Fuller, and it was a way for Christians to practically express the love of Christ to those who were disadvantaged. Public libraries in Western society, they were established by Christians. And it was actually something that grew out of this Christian-dominated theme that all people should be able to read. Do you guys know that literacy in America is rooted in the very first law that was ever passed on American soil? If you remember your American history, it's called the Old Deluder Satan Act. Remember that? What it was is the church says if people can't read, they're going to fall under the delusion of Satan. Therefore, we must make sure that public education is provided for all so that education, so people will be able to read. That started in America. Foster care. It originated during the orphan train movement here in the U.S. and the Children's Aid Society. Those are actually two church ministries. The stamping out of slavery in the United States and England. It was a movement that was started really by William Wilberforce and, and who was a solid Christian leader who expressed his Christian values, which, by the way, a lot of people don't even know this, William Wilberforce also established the first organization in the world that dealt with cruelty to animals. <laughs> Out of the initial 110 universities in the United States of America, 100 were started by Christian ministries. Alcoholics Anonymous helps 2 million people. It was launched by the Christian Oxford Group. Co-founder Dr. Bob Smith, he said that AA's basic beliefs, they all come from the Bible, and he says the steps basically in essence are about love and service. It's what we teach here. Amnesty International brings justice and liberty for oppressed people all over the world. It was started by two Christians who came together, Paul Benison and Eric Baker, and they were inspired by that church to make a difference for Jesus, and so they did. In fact, do you know that recent research shows that 81% of evangelical Christians do some type of volunteer work at least once a month? Society at large, the number is 26%. I could go on and on and on, but there's no need to because, hey, the truth is, the church is alive and well, and don't you let anyone tell you that it's not. And it is a huge blessing to society and will continue to do so. I also know that the church is not perfect. It's filled with sinners saved by grace, and that includes you and that includes me, but Jesus died for us all, and he loves us. He loves us. He loves us, us crazy, imperfect people. <laughs> So you are part of this amazing orchestration of God. And God has plans for you in the middle of it. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, 
not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and plans to give you a future. He wants you to have freedom. He wants to break chains uh, in, in your own life, break chains of darkness. And then he wants to use his power through you to see chains of darkness broken in other people's lives. That's what the church does really, really, really stinking well. I've been sending a little bit of information out this week, trying to post it wherever. Hopefully it gets your attention, attention of others. Um, and if you have the City Life app, which I hopefully all of you do on your phone, you know, set up the push notifications that'll lay out and let you know when some new information is out there on how we can help. But uh, if you'll go on the, on the City Life app and you click the little, uh, push the little thing that says blog on there, it takes you to these articles that I have written. Uh, they usually go out in my pastor's email. But, but if, you'll, if you'll take a look at the last one that I put out there, and I really encourage you to do that, you'll see the links, you'll see everything that's in there. I, I talk about how to participate um, and how you can help with the whole issue regarding Hurricane Harvey because there's a lot of need. There's a lot of need. A lot of need right here. In fact, I've shared with you guys four ways to serve right now. Now, I put this on, the, on, our, it's on our church website. Uh, it's on our church um, Facebook page. It's on my Facebook profile. You can go to my Facebook and just look at everything because I, you know, you can spy on me all you want. That, you know, I have it wide open so everybody can see everything, okay? You don't have to be a secret. You, you don't have to, you can spy and be secret or you can be my friend. I don't care. But, but, uh, I even posted a little two-minute video uh, Friday afternoon explaining a little bit more of this, but I want to talk about these four ways because I'm serious about this, okay? The first one is prayer. You may say, yeah, okay, whatever prayer. No, 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 don't say whatever prayer. Prayer is serious business. Prayer is serious business. Case in point, Tuesday morning, I was with a group of ministers meeting with the mayor, and uh, she came in looking kind of haggard and <laughs> She just said, I'm sorry, I've just been not getting much rest, dealing with all the issues that were going on. And as she was talking, she said that, uh, that Monday night she'd been on the phone with Mayor Turner from, uh, from Houston. And she asked the mayor, she said, how can Fort Worth help right now? He said, there's one way you guys can help right now. He said, get your people in Fort Worth to praying. Please pray the rain stops. Now, I'm telling you, let me help you understand something. When a leader makes a call for prayer like that, I, I believe that this, it's, it's potent. I really is. The mayor said that to us as ministers and saying, get the word out. And we did. Got the word out. Unfortunately, kind of looked at the forecast, and I remember looking at my weather app at that point. It was still forecast to, to rain in Houston all the way through the end of the week. But do you want another miracle? 24 hours after that prayer request was issued, there was no more rain in Harris County. It was all gone. Well, that was just the weather. Yeah, uh-huh, sure was the weather that was controlled by God, which God moves according to people's prayers. Hello? Pray. And, and there's something pretty awesome also, is our president has issued a national day of prayer today. It's a presidential proclamation for Hurricane Harvey. And I, I read the proclamation. I always love reading those, and it was, it's actually very potent. Um, calling us to pray. Now, when the president calls us to pray, we're going to do that. Oh, I don't care who the president is. We'll, we'll do that. When a city leader, president, or whatever, when a leader says pray, if your boss is company, a company of your, you know, and your boss, you don't like him, but he says pray, well, are you going to say, nope, nope, because I don't like the boss? No, you pray, right? Let's pray. 
Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray because situations are hanging in the balance that God will tip the scales when his people pray. Let's do that right now. God, we come together right now in a spirit of humility before you, understanding you are the God who makes and shapes everything. You're the God who created this universe. And I pray for just a rush of your power and your grace all along the Gulf Coast, Louisiana, Texas, all the way into South Texas, all the area that was impacted by this horrible storm. And we pray, God, first of all, for health and healing in bodies. Pray that disease will not begin. God, I pray that, that, uh, that you will give you would give medical professionals wisdom in dealing with situations, that there'll be dramatic, uh, miraculous rescues, that there'll be angelic participation with what, what happens here, God. God, I pray that miracles happen, little individual miracles on people's lives where you're delivering people and you're helping them and you're, you're ministering to them, God. God, I pray that, that, that death will stop and that life will flourish in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for the relief workers. I pray for their, them to have the right frame of mind and to, and to be able to provide the best relief possible in Jesus' name. I pray for restoration of hearts that are torn apart, hearts filled with anxiety and stress as their homes are gone and they have no place to live. They're evacuated from the city they know so well and their friends and neighbors. Bless, bless, strengthen, and give peace in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, that prayer was part of a concert of prayer nationwide. That's the power of it. It's potent. Number two, number two is financial giving. You saw the video earlier, uh, Convoy of Hope and North Texas uh, Assemblies of God are the two organizations that we're working through to provide uh, financial, putting our finances through to provide relief. And uh, let me explain to you why we choose, why, why, first of all, they're organizations that we partner with already, so it's not some kind of a new relationship. But these organizations, they work directly through local churches, okay? So what happens is the ch local churches are the hosts for all of this ministry. And as this ministry flows out into the community, it's coming through the local churches. And that's powerful because when the relief organizations leave, when all the nonprofits pack up their stuff and go back home, the churches will still be there. And the churches will still need to be providing ministry. And it connects people with local congregations and local pastors and allows the ministry to start there in a very practical, hands-on way, also giving the life, love, and hope of Jesus Christ to people. I'm all into that because it's a double, triple, quadruple whammy. It's not just feeding someone, which is so important. Someone's life might be rescued for eternity, which is part of the whole process. That's what the church does. Number three is serving. Third area is serving. And again, you can find this on, if you go to that blog thing on, on your City Life app or go to the you know, City Life website or Facebook page or just go to find me on Facebook. But, but serving is another one. And I'm asking everyone to please apply now. There's a link in there to volunteer. 
and, and explain how it works. What you do is you go in there and say you want to volunteer. It's a volley.org or something like that. I don't know, but, but you'll, the link is there. It's all over the place. And, and go there and then get it set up so you can begin the process of your background check because as soon as they get the background check done, then it's going to open up opportunities for you to do ministry right here. The mayor has asked us on Tuesday uh, that if we will help funnel volunteers into the, uh, the convention center area for the evacuees who are here, all right? So that's where our efforts are going to be. So as soon as you get this done, I'm going to be pushing out more information on exactly what to sign up for and how to do that. So be patient with the process, please, but you need to go ahead and get the process started by registering to volunteer. I've already done it, and I hope you do it as well. I would love, I would love for you to join me, and let's, let's just do this. Let's just, let's just haul off and do this. That's what the church does. Number four, it's donating items, and that's the goodwill. Uh, specific items they need, and again, that's all listed out there online. I love being a part of the church. I love being a part of helping, loving, and blessing, and encouraging. We've done it all these years since the church started. We're going to keep doing it until Jesus comes. Like for there be no movement right this time, and Ask everyone if you'll just focus for a moment internally. Maybe you're here today and you've never completely surrendered your life to Jesus. You hear about this Jesus I'm talking about and Jesus is being Lord of the church. And you know that you want a new beginning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you'd like to be included in a closing prayer, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Surrender your life to Jesus. When I count to three, just simply lift your hand. That way I can connect my faith with yours Understanding this faith is when you respond outwardly to the stirring that's happening inwardly. Hey, Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so you can have life forever, and everything in your life can change today. Would you lift your hand? One, two, three. I want to connect my faith with you to pray with you. Lift your hand for me. Thank you. I want you guys to stand. Everyone's please stand. Here's what I'm going to ask. I want you, along with everybody else in this room, to pray these words with me. I want you to mean it from the bottom of your heart. Come on, pray these words with me. Everybody, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sins. Today I give up my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. Break the chains of darkness in my life. Thank you for freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. City Life is able to continue making Jesus known through the consistent investments of many. If you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifecenter.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.